We want to welcome everybody back to the Vintage Christian Truth Podcast, where we share real truth for real people to have real life in Jesus. And as always, you're joined with uh, myself, Pastor Sam, and my good friend, Pastor Brian. And we're so glad for y'all to uh, tune back in here for our podcast uh, episode tonight. Um, We're continuing our series on spiritual disciplines, um, and we've been looking at some spiritual exercises that every Christian needs to to practice and, and engage in um, so that we can uh, grow closer to the Lord and we can better know and, and glorify Him in our daily lives. And so we've already looked at uh, the spiritual discipline of Bible study. Uh, we've talked about prayer. Um, we've talked about fellowship. And we've talked uh, a little bit about discipleship as well in our previous uh three episodes here in uh, season three. And now for this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the spiritual discipline or exercise called evangelism. And, uh, and Pastor Brian, I know, I think some people uh, may have a misconception about evangelism and they may think that, you know, they're just a normal Christian. Um, Does God really want them to to go out and evangelize or is that something that just the the pastor should do or is that something that just like Billy Graham should do um that may not be their spiritual gift necessarily but but uh how would you respond to maybe a critic or someone who says you know does every christian need to do evangelism and and if and if you say yes well then what exactly how would you explain to somebody what is evangelism? What does it mean to do evangelism? Well, um, <laughs> a short answer would be yes. Uh, yes. Every, uh, every person, um, every person should be involved in evangelism. If, if, if you call yourself a Christian uh, and, and part of, I heard John Piper uh, say one time that evangelism is necessary Amen. because worship doesn't exist. Um, and, and I think what he meant by that was, was if you come into an area where, where worship is not happening, then, then that's indicative of a problem. It, it, it means that, uh, that people there don't see God in his proper context, that, that people there don't know the God of the Bible because to know the God of the Bible is to worship the God of the Bible. Um, you, if you, if you know him and you understand what he's done on behalf of his people, if you, if you understand him as creator God, then, uh, then you will worship him. Um, and so, and so when, when worship doesn't exist, that means that that God is not treasured. God is not valued, uh, and and because of that, we have this responsibility to to uh, to share the good news of Jesus, so that others might come to know God, and uh, and so that God might be worshipped. The the end of our like the, the chief end of our salvation is not so that we can walk on streets of gold and live in a mansion in heaven. The chief Amen. end of our salvation is that God might get glory. And so, and so where God is missing out on glory, where worship isn't, doesn't dominate space, uh, then that indicates a problem that God is not valued there the way that he should be. And, and therefore evangelism is necessary. Now I would say that every person has a responsibility for evangelism because every person, every believer, every, every Christian is filled with the Holy spirit. If, uh, in acts one, uh, you know, acts one, eight, that, you know, there was a promise that was made. Um, Jesus made this promise a couple of times. I think it's in John 14. Isn't it in John 14 when he says that I have to go and prepare a place for you? But if but if I don't go, the, the comforter can't come, comforter being the, the Holy Spirit. Um, and and the, the sending of the Holy Spirit to indwell uh, the followers of Jesus, the purpose for that was laid out in Acts 1 when it says that, that uh, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the purpose for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, or at least one of them, is so that we might evangelize, so, so that we would have the power necessary to share the gospel uh, in an effective manner. Um, 
so that so that God is at work in our words as we share the words of God uh, and as bringing people to repentance and faith in Jesus. So uh, so the Great Commission was given to Christian people, not pastors. It was given to Christians um, to go and make disciples that the Holy Spirit was sent not just to pastors, but to Christians so that we might you know, have the power necessary to go and share the gospel. So, uh, so I guess to answer the question, um, yes, every Christian has a responsibility, uh, to evangelize the lost. I don't see how you no, can that's, read I completely agree. and, and get around that spot on is normal because, you know, everybody, and I did, I think about it like this, you know, if you talk to me or Brian, um, we're probably going to talk to you about deer hunting, um, uh, you know, we're go- it's going to come up. Uh, Amen. You know, we're going to talk. Yeah. We're going to talk about bass fishing. We may talk about our, you know, our, our children. We may we may talk about our wives. We may talk about, um, you know, those things. And and those things just naturally come up if you talk to us for. A- um, and it's simply because you know we we love our children or we love to bass fish or we love to be outdoors in God's creation. And so it just kind of naturally and organically, uh, car going down the road there. Hey, how you doing? Uh, naturally and organically kind of comes up in our conversations. It's not something that we have to really think that much about. It's not something we have to kind of force out. Um, it's not some script that we have memorized and we check off a bunch of boxes, kind of something that we've memorized that we feel like we just have to, you know, regurgitate. Um, and I think that's the way it should be with Jesus. Um, if we, if we know Jesus and we love Jesus and we know that Jesus has saved us, um, through his life and death and resurrection, and he's, uh, justified us before the father, um, has adopted us and given us eternal life. How could we not want to just tell other people about Jesus? I I just don't understand it. You know, it's, evangelism, I think a lot of times in the Christian life, we overcomplicate everything. I mean, everything gets overcomplicated, and, and, and that's our fault. It's not God's fault because evangelism is simply testifying. You know, you'll be my witness. Well, what does a witness do in court? Well, a witness testifies. Um, if you're called up onto a witness stand in a courtroom and you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you're simply, you don't have to make stuff up. You're just relaying um truth you're just being a witness you're testifying to who jesus is and what he has done and and how he has saved you through his gospel and and the cool thing that pastor brian references is evangelism can be very intimidating it can be scary and that's why god one of the reasons that god the holy spirit he now lives inside of us as new covenant christians he doesn't just live with us he is within us and because he is within us, he is there to comfort us and to give us uh, the words, uh, to give us the, the strength to overcome our fear. Um, and he will give us the power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be his witnesses wherever we go. And so um, evangelism is something that every Christian should be engaged in. Now, for some Christians, it's easier than others. You know, that may be your spiritual gift, uh, maybe evangelism and and you may be more of a talker than someone else, but um, just because you don't have that specific gift doesn't uh, just negate our responsibility. And it, and it shouldn't be something that we feel like we have to do. It should be something that we love the Lord. And if you talk to us long enough, we should want to share that truth with you um, just because we love Jesus so much and we love you and we want you to know Jesus and have eternal life with him. And um, and that's all we're asked to do, you know, uh, one, and I want to throw this back to you, Pastor Brian, but I think sometimes when we evangelize, we feel like we have failed if someone doesn't get converted or saved right then and right there, we feel like we failed. Um, I just want to encourage you right now that you cannot control how someone responds to Jesus. You can't control it. Um, now, you can try to manipulate people. You can try to emotionally play music. Um, you can try to just lead them in a prayer. Um, you can, you can try so many different techniques, but God doesn't want us to do that. God just wants us to be like a mailman, just faithfully deliver the message, 
and let God, the Holy Spirit, do the rest in that person's life. Um, and don't feel the pressure. Don't feel that pressure to say, well, I preached the gospel or I shared the gospel and no one got saved. You don't know. You're planting the seeds. Um, you plant the seeds and you let God bring the spiritual growth and he's going to do it in his time and his way. Just be faithful to relay that good news of what Jesus Christ has done to save them and set them free and bring them to God. Right, right. Yeah, one of the one of the the surprising benefits uh, that that came to me whenever I finally understood that God God is sovereign in salvation is uh, I really think for the first few years of of me of me doing ministry work, I kind of had this mindset that said, well. Um, you know, if I become a, a dynamic enough speaker, if, if I get if I get good enough at at preaching, then people are going to get saved left and right. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's uh, you know, that, that's kind of what was what was in my head. And uh, and so then it causes this sense of anxiety every time every time you, you get up and preach a sermon and folks aren't flooding to the altar giving their hearts to jesus i mean there's you know it, it causes you to ask well what am i doing wrong or what am i you know what am i doing or what am i not doing um that's that's keeping people from being saved when when if you go look at i mean what paul said was that he may plan and apollos may water but it's god who gives the increase and and there's a Sam kind of referenced that. There's a there's a passage of scripture that says, uh, and and Sam can probably quote it because because he's good like that. But but uh, but there's a passage of scripture that teaches that the word never returns to God void. It always perfectly accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent out. Uh, and so if God moves in me to share His word with this individual, I, I'm not entirely sure what. God intends to do with that. I just know, hey, here's an opportunity for me to speak the gospel. So, so I'm faithful in doing that. And and there's a couple of there's a there's a couple of things, few different ways that that could end. I might be planting a seed in an individual who's never heard the gospel before, but at some point in the future, they will, they, you know, all those seeds will kind of, you know, will kind of come to come to maturity, and they will bear fruit, and that person will will get saved. Um, it might be that I share the gospel with that individual and someone else, you know, two, three, four, five other people have come along planting and watering and, 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 and through my sharing of the gospel message, it, it might all click and they might come to faith right then and there. Um, it also might be, uh, that, that God is actively hardening a person who will never come to faith in him. Um, that, that, you know, and that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to, to think of. Um, but, uh, but, but I think I can, sh I think I can show that to you in scripture that, that, uh, that, that God has mercy on those whom he has mercy. Uh, and, and he hardens those whom he would harden. Um, the, the, you know, the question, the question becomes, you know, well, well what is God doing when I share this? Now you can go to God and ask that. Um, you know, there's there's never a scenario where where the question is, should I share the gospel with this person? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all I, silly. Silly. I, I heard a person say to me one time I, that, hey, I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying about whether I should share the gospel with this person or not. Like, bro, what? Why are you praying about that? <laughs> there's Christian folks. We're, we're bad. Now, let's just be honest. We're bad about this. We're. I, I'm praying about whether or not I should go to church. I'm praying about whether or not I should tithe. I'm praying about whether or not I should do this or do this or do that. If if it says it in the Bible to do it, then yes, you should do it. You don't have to pray about that. Uh, you know, now, now, if you if you say I'm praying that that when I share this gospel that it will be heard, it will be received, it will be welcomed, and it will change this person's life. Yeah, pray that prayer. Uh, pray it often. Um, absolutely, do that. Uh, but but when you go and share that gospel, you don't have to go and you know thinking of yourself as a you know a, a used car salesman. That if you just make the pitch good enough, or if you if you just show off the right features, or if you whatever, you know, if you just do a good enough job, they'll get saved. That that is not 
that is not on me. It's not on you. It's not on Sam as that, that, that responsibility is owing only to the purpose of God. Um, we are called, we are called and saved according to his purpose that the, you know, we, we quote, uh, we quote that passage in Romans eight often for all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. I mean, yeah, we do that. Um, rest of that verse. So says for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so we, we are called and therefore we love the Lord because God had purpose in that, um, that, that he saved us for a purpose. He is sovereign over that purpose. Uh, and according to scripture, uh, everybody's not going to get saved. I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. Um, and I don't know what, you know, I shared the gospel with a guy today. I, I don't know. I don't know what a, he's, he's in addiction recovery. He's, uh, He's doing the best he can. He's, he's trying to get himself clean. He's in a Christian program. The gospel is being shared faithfully, and I shared it again today. And I don't know. Uh, I pray he gets saved. I, I, I pray he comes to know Jesus. I, I pray that that uh, God makes radical changes in his life, and his family is reunited, and his children are happy, and they grow up with their dad, and he gets old and gray with many children and grandchildren. That's my prayer for him. Um, but I don't know. Um I know my job. I know my job is to faithfully share the gospel at every opportunity. My job is to faithfully love people. My job is to faithfully present Jesus. Uh, and if I'm if I'm obedient and faithful to do that, then I trust God's purpose because I know it's perfect. No, that's well said. I mean, you know, when, when I'm thinking also about evangelism, um, I know that some of our listeners may actually remember a guy named uh, a famous atheist and his name was Penn Gillette. And he was actually, yeah. you know, he got real famous, I guess, as being kind of the him and his partner. Uh, they had a group like a duo called Penn and Teller. Uh, they basically were like a, they did magic tricks and things of that nature. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people follow them. Um, and what was so interesting about him is that he talked about, um, he's talked about Christians, and even though this this Penn Gillette, he's kind of the bigger guy of the duo, and he's got glasses, but uh, he basically said, uh, and I've got a quote here from him, he says, talking about Christians who don't evangelize, he says, I don't respect people who don't proselytize, or that means share what they believe. Um, he says, he says oh. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell, and that people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, he says, I absolutely have zero respect for you. Um, and that's coming yeah. from a, you know, a self-proclaimed atheist here in America. And it just goes back to the fact that evangelism is uh, – uh, evangel basically just means good news. It's you proclaiming, teaching, and explaining the good news of Jesus. And every Christian is called to do it. Um, and we should want to do it if we love God and if we love people. And we know that heaven or hell is at stake. Um, and we do know that it is God's will of disposition. It's God's heart's desire that all men be saved. And I know there are some people that are in the Calvinist circles. Um, I might would even call them hyper Calvinist, um, which sadly, Brian, I think many people, if you listen to this and you immediately, when I say Calvinism, you get mad. You're not thinking of what I'm, what we're thinking of. You're probably thinking of more hyper unbiblical hyper Calvinism. Um, we're, we're right. not in that camp. We stand against that wholeheartedly, but some people in that camp, you know, basically would say, well, God doesn't desire all people to be saved. Yes, he does. It's in his heart's desire. Uh, you can go first Timothy chapter two, uh, verse three, four and five. And it's, you know, God wants all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so God's will is for us to go out into this world and to proclaim the gospel and tell them the good news that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life for you. He suffered and died a horrible death on a cross where God's wrath and the curse of the Father that should have fell upon us fell upon him. 
And so he paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. He fulfilled the law and the prophets, Matthew 5, 17, uh, Galatians 4, 4 through 6. He was born under the law. He fulfilled all the commandments for us. He, was, he died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb on the third day, physically resurrected, proving the Father had accepted his work for all of his people who would believe in him. And if you will repent and recognize that you are a sinner and you deserve God's wrath and hell, if you will turn from those sins and recognize that they are evil and wrong, ask God to forgive you and confess that Jesus Christ is the God-man, fully God, fully man, that he really did live, die, and rise again, and you ask him to save you and trust in him, God the Father will justify you, declare you innocent and perfect and holy before him, not because of your goodness or your righteousness, but because of Jesus' substitutionary death in your place on that cross, and because Jesus also substituted himself in your place and lived the life that you should have lived by fulfilling all the righteous commandments. And God now imputes or credits that to your account as a free gift, and you receive that by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is a free gift, and you are declared innocent and perfect and justified. You are adopted into his family. You're given eternal life with God, and he will always love you and be with you. And from this moment forward, you will want to live for him and honor him because you love him. And part of that means you will go out and tell other people about him. And, uh, and that's what we should naturally want to do. And if we care about people and we know heaven or hell is at stake, we need to be doing that. And I want to throw a quick Charles Spurgeon quote out there. He says, and, and we love Spurgeon. This is vintage Christian truth. We love these old dead preachers. And I love, I've always Amen. loved this quote. And when I, when I feel like I'm getting kind of indifferent and I'm not evangelizing the way I should, and y'all, we could all do better. I know I could do better. Um, and that's part of a spiritual exercise is you want to get stronger. You want to get better for the Lord. But Charles Spurgeon said, have you no wish for other people to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. You can be sure of that. And so that's a very direct quote. And that's why I love him. He didn't beat around the bush. He just hit you between the head, between the eyes with the truth. And, uh, and it goes back to Penn Jillette. You know, if we really love the Lord, if we really believe the good news of what Jesus has done for us, it's, it's not good advice. It's not like, well, hey, hey, I'm Jesus. I'm going to help you save yourself. No, it's God saves sinners through the work of Jesus. That's the good news. It's, it's not go and do. It's Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has done it all for you. Now repent and believe and follow him, and you will have life and joy and peace eternal with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, and that's going to be worked in you and realized in your life by a work of God the Holy Spirit. That is evangelism, and Pastor Brian, I don't know a greater message that human lips could utter other than the wonderful great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Well, and, and uh, I, I think I think we would miss the heart of evangelism if we didn't talk about love yeah. some because and I, I, we have to because, uh, um, you know, if if we understand and we pointed this out early, if we have a clear view of who God is, and what, uh, if we if we see God as the creator of all things, then we will worship. We worship that which we love. We, if, if we love something, we're, we're going to you know, we're, we're going to give it our adoration. And, and, uh, and so our loving God and the Bible says that, you know, what Sam was just saying, the Bible says that, that we love him because he first loved us. So he has shown us love and saving us. We reciprocate that love. Uh, and, and we, and we kind of, we, we push it out there to him by our worship and our, and our praise and our service and our willingness to tell others about him. But don't you think too, that, uh, because I think in the, well, it's in First John. First John, Paul or John says um, says says that if you uh, that if you claim to uh, that if you claim to love God, but you don't have love for people, don't have love for the brethren, then then you're a liar, and the truth of God is not in you. Um, I, Paul Paul had a love for his 
for his brethren by the by the flesh, his, his Israelite brothers and sisters. He had such a love for them that he said, I wish I wish that I myself would be damned um, if it would mean the salvation of my of my Jewish brother and sister. Um, so so there was a love in Paul that said, if I could if I could give up my salvation so that all of Israel might have it then then I would be willing to do that because I love them so much. And and I think that we would be we'd be you think about this what Christians believe what what we hold to as as gospel truth is that is that God has created man man has sinned and rebelled against God 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 is there, there's a place called hell that was meant for Satan and his demons but all those who follow Satan in sin and, and open rebellion and die in that rebellion will spend eternity in that place called hell with Satan and his demons. Um, it's a place of torment, eternal torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of eternal separation from God, horrible, horrible, horrible place. And, and for those who are saved, they will spend eternity in the presence of God himself. Um, on a, on a redeemed or a renewed earth. Um, and, and, uh, and if, and that's what we would want for people that we genuinely love. So, so if you're listening to this, I've got, I've got this question. Think of the people that you love the most, your families, your, 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 your wife or your husband, your, your son or your daughter, your uh, brother, sister, mother, father, you, you think of the people in your life that you love the most wouldn't it how unloving would it be for you to have the truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and not share that truth with others who you know are headed for hell unless God saves them um how 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 could you possibly love those people if you have the greatest gift of all and you're unwilling to share um and so i think i think love plays a, a very very significant part in 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 our in our evangelism and our willingness to, to share the gospel truth with the lost, because if we truly believe there is a hell and the Bible says there is, um, if we truly believe that there is a hell, then how could we look at a person in the eye, tell them that we love them, but also know in our heart of hearts that, that we know Jesus, that, that Jesus has saved us, but believe that, that, that Jesus has not saved them. Uh, believe that, you know, that they, they showed no fruit of gospel relationship. They showed no fruit of conversion. Um, and so, uh, and so could, could we look at a person who we love and, and know that we know or know what we know, but also believe that they don't know what we know and not, and not ever tell them how, how I can think of no more unloving an act than to withhold Jesus from someone who we love. No, that's a great point. I mean, and Pastor Brian, you know, I know people that are listening to us in Ireland and Germany and Canada and heaven knows where else. Um, down here in, in Alabama, which you can probably tell by the way I talk, at least I'm from South Alabama uh, here in the United States. But one thing that we run into and, and me as a school teacher, I, I've met a lot of parents and kids out in the public and they'll say, you know, they'll, I'll tell them, well, you know, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor of a church. And, and I'll ask them, I'll say, well, are you, or no, no, many times they'll say to me, well, I'm a Christian too. And then I'll ask them a couple diagnostic questions. Like I'll say, you're a Christian. They say, yeah. And I would say, well, could you tell me what is the gospel? What do I have to believe to be saved? And then just be quiet and let them talk. And you'll be able to figure out relatively within a couple minutes whether they're actually Christians or not, because I think some people here in the Bible belt, they think, well, I believe in God. I try to live by the golden rule. Um, I'm an honest, kind person for the most part. Um, I have no problem with Jesus. I can quote the Romans road from vacation Bible school or Awana or, or whatever. And so they naturally think, well, I must be a born again Christian um, because I know certain things about Jesus. Um, and if you listen to them long enough, you may come to realize, well, they're not actually saved. They just think they are. And um, and then that would give you an opportunity then if God opens that door. And you'll know if he's opening that door because that person's going to probably keep talking to you. 
So if that person's still engaged talking to you, just try to take another step and just ask them. You say, okay, uh, what is the gospel? And then if they don't give you a good answer, then one method that I love to use, um, and I, I'm not going to go through all of it, but if you have a chance to Google this, you can go to The Way of the Master. Um, they've got a great website. They've got ton of YouTube videos uh, from Living Waters Ministries, Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains and the original Left Behind. Him and Ray Comfort have a great evangelistic ministry that really trains people on how to do evangelism in a biblical way. And they have a great system that can really help you engage people in evangelism because I know people say, well, Sam, I know I'm supposed to do evangelism, but heck, I just don't know what to say. Uh, if you go to the way we're not sponsored by them. I wish we were, but we're not. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, Ray, uh, Ray and Kurt, y'all sponsors, man, come on, help, help a brother out here. Send a, send us something. So we at least get, get better iPhones in the crap we got here now. But, uh, Anyway, check them out because, you know, they have a great pattern that's modeled after Jesus dealing, how Jesus shared the gospel with people and how the apostles in the book of Acts did. And, and um, you know, and so check that out because if you go, if you go there, it's going to really break it down on what you can say to people. And that's what I normally use when, when I'm talking to people. I always, you know, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Do you think you're good enough to go to heaven? Take them through some of the Ten Commandments talk to them about the holiness and judgment of God, and then then you present the good news. Because, Pastor Brian, I think some people think, well, I'm supposed to just preach the gospel. That means preach good news. But really, as Martin Luther, another old dead preacher that we love, he said that God's law shows us our disease. Uh, the gospel then provides the cure. So, God's law, when we're talking about the law, primarily God's moral law shown in most notably in the Ten Commandments of Exodus 20. Um, when you show somebody God's law and you ask them some questions, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever lusted? So on and so forth. You take them through the law and the, the Holy Spirit working through the law will show them that they have broken God's law and they have sinned against God. So if you've broken God's law, just like in a courtroom, if you break a law, there's a punishment. Um, the biblical logic is once you show people that they have sinned against God and they've broken his law, that they understand they're headed for God's judgment. Um, and then once you understand you're headed for God's judgment and his wrath, then you understand why you're in danger and why you must be saved. And that's where the cure of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection um, then make sense to people because I think a lot of times we preach the cure. We tell them about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them and what Jesus has done. But Pastor Brian, that's telling people the cure, but we haven't first convinced them that they're sick and that they're in danger of dying. They may think they're okay, but actually the wrath of God is abiding upon them and they need to be rescued and delivered, but they're never going to seek to be rescued until they first see that they're in great danger. Right. Well, and the, uh, you know, Galatians three, um, and I quote a ESV a lot, but I actually like the KJV translation of, of this of Galatians three better. Um, Galatians three twenty four says that the law became our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. That verse that verse tells the gospel message almost Amen. entirely. Uh, the, the law is our school map. How? Well, the law shows our sinfulness. Um, the law reveals the fact that we can't live an, a righteous life before God, that there's no way on our own merit we can come before God with right standing. That's what righteous means is to have right standing. Um, so so if, if based on our own merit, we can't come to God with right standing. Um, we, I mean, we would never know that if the law didn't yep. show us. Uh, but the law shows us that, shows us our sinfulness. Um, but our sinfulness points us towards Jesus um, because of the, the substitutionary atonement offered through his sacrifice on the cross. Um, so so the, the law shows us our, our, our need for salvation, Christ is our salvation, 
And then the last part of it, that we might be justified or made right, that the declared righteous by faith, um, not not by our own works or our own deeds. But for us to be justified by faith is to be justified by our trust in something outside of us. Um, and so uh, and so oftentimes I, mean, I had somebody I had somebody you know, say it like, as a matter of fact, it might've been Ray Comfort. Might have, one of those videos uh, that I watched, it might've been Ray Comfort that said this, but the analogy that was used was if someone just runs up to your door and starts beating on it and you open the door and they're frantic and they say, come on, I'm going to save you. Uh, you might, you would probably look, look at them like they were crazy and uh, you know, and, and, and say, uh, get the heck out of my face freak. I mean, it was it kind of, kind of be that sort of response. And of course, I mean, of course you would, because this person just ran up to your house with nothing other than come on, I'm going to save you. Like I don't need saving. Dummy, get away from me. Yeah. That, that's natural response. But, but if that person beat on your door and said, look, there's smoke in the back of your house. Look, there are flames coming out your upstairs windows. Look, your house is on fire. You're about to die. I'm going to take you to safety. Well, well, now all of a sudden, uh, you understand the, the danger. You understand your need for salvation. And you're much more willing uh, to, to go along with the idea of being saved uh, if, you know, based on those circumstances, on that knowledge of your need for salvation. And so, uh, and so, you know, that, that principle kind of goes along with that, that the law shows us our need for salvation. Uh, the only, the only place of salvation, our, our rescuer is Jesus. Um, and, and we can't help. Uh, it has to be received by faith because we, we can't do anything about ourselves. Uh, I can't do nothing to fix me. Um, and, and the law shows me that, that I'm always, always going to be rebellious. Um, I sin because I like to sin. I, I, I you know, our, we love sin. Um, we, we're, we crave it. We, we, uh, you know, we will gravitate to it always, every time. Uh, and, and we can't do anything about that. There's no way for us to stand, uh, you know, in, in, in righteousness before a holy God based on our own merit. Um, no, that's a, you know, that's and, and, a very good point. But, no, yeah. that's a great point. And I always liked how Ray Comfort said, you know, we broke God's law, but Jesus Christ came and paid our fine. So now that our fine has been paid in full, a, a fine that we couldn't pay. I mean, so many times the Bible uh, teaches us about sin as like a debt. It's a It's a debt that we owe God and we have racked up so much debt. And so many, um, so many fines and penalties because of our wickedness and our idolatry, and uh, that we cannot, in a million lifetimes, work it off. Uh, but the great news is that God sent God the Father sent forth His Son Jesus, uh, truly God and, and truly man, and He uh, paid our fine in full. So now, God the righteous Judge can look at me, a sinner who deserves condemnation. He can look at me and say, Sam, now I can let you go free because Jesus Christ stood in your place and he paid your fine in full. And that's how much that's how we come to really better know and appreciate God's great love for us as his people is once we realize how much we need to be forgiven and how bad we really are. And then not because of us, but in spite of us, God chose and God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, if you don't under, if you if you see yourself as a little sinner, Jesus will be a little savior. But if you see yourself as a big wretched sinner that deserves nothing but God's curse in hell, then you'll see Jesus as a great, wonderful, supreme uh, savior that is worthy of our worship, is worthy of our obedience, and is worthy for us to go out and and not be ashamed of him and his gospel and his words and we'll want to go out there and live for him love others the way he loves us and and if we're loving other people as Penn Gillette the atheist pointed out if we really love and care about people and we know heaven and hell is at stake for them then by all means we're going to want to share the good news of Jesus but we're going to want to do it in such a way that um, that they understand the whole counsel or the whole story of God because 
me and Pastor Brian's already talked about this in our first uh, season, I think a little bit. But, you know, if you a lot of churches, Pastor Brian can testify to this as well. A lot of churches are not preach on the law. They're not going to preach on sin. They're not going to preach on hell. They're not going to preach on the holiness and righteousness of God. Um, and they don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. They don't want people to feel afraid. They want to present God as just a loving teddy bear, grandfather figure in the sky. So what's happened in a lot of churches is in order to not run people off, and Pastor Brian, you touched on this earlier, somebody may say, well, why isn't our church as big as another church? Well, I hate to say this, but many times the churches that are the biggest and are the best in the world's eyes are actually the smallest and the worst in God's eyes. And the reason for that is because the leadership and, and pastors of, of not all churches, I'm not knocking all big churches, I'm not. But many times, especially around here, if you will listen to what they preach and what they call the gospel, it's not really the gospel because their Jesus isn't saving people from sin, hell, and death. Their Jesus may be there to save them from loneliness. Their Jesus may be there to save them from poverty. Their Jesus may be saving them from, you know, uh, from sickness. And, and there is a truth that God, yeah, part of salvation is that God saves us from all of the curse of sin. But Jesus Christ came to save sinners from the wrath of God. And that's what the book of Acts, the early apostles preached that. And if we love people, we want to preach to them the real Jesus and the real gospel and we don't want them to come to Jesus just so they can get health, wealth, prosperity, or feel better about themselves. But many preachers have, have done that because they don't want to preach on the holiness and, and wrath of God and sin. Because if they did that, Pastor Brian, there wouldn't be as many people coming to their cool little seeker-sensitive watered-down churches. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I tell you. And, and this is, I mean, I get this is not a popular position like i'm i understand um but we're we're kind of uh i don't know what's the best way to say this we're kind of soft um we're we're kind of um especially in america today man we're paying a lot of times um i mean and and what i'm what i mean by that is uh you you ever notice that uh that we we like to ma- we like to make things safe an awful lot, uh, you know. Pe- people people will go to, you know, you go to a petting zoo and you see, uh, you know, you see you see a tiger in a petting zoo, and you're not afraid of it. Um, you know, you, you you go to the you go to on a safari in Africa, and you see a tiger in the wild, you're scared to death, you know. But but we're you know but that, that tiger might eat you, you know, uh, but you come, you come to the United States, you go to a zoo, you see this tiger behind a cage and enclosure. Uh, you know that there's all sorts of you know safety protocols that have been put in place. And all of a sudden you're all over that tiger. I mean, I, I've walked past, I've walked past amazing animals in a zoo, just sort of ho-hum, you know, because, because they're, I mean, it's, might as well pull their teeth out. I mean, you, you know, they, they're, there's no, there's no, there's not as much a sense of awe there because, because it's this thing, you know, thing can't, uh, and, and, and I think, um, like if you go, if you go combing through the early church, cause, cause I've, I've heard pastors and, and, and quote unquote Christian people say in the Old Testament was mean. Uh, that he, that he killed a bunch of people and, and you know, that he, he caused this and caused that and told the people of Israel to go kill all these men, women, and children and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and that guy's just mean. Um, and, and you, you caught you by Ananias and Sapphira and, uh, and, and their deceitful early church, uh, not only deceiving the people of God and the apostles, but, but I mean, in a way trying to deceive God himself, and and they were, I mean, they they fell over dead. Yep. Um, and and uh, you know, and and the reason I bring that up, I, I don't bring that up because I'm saying you need to be scared of God. That's not what I'm saying. But but what I am saying is we we tend to try to make things safe. And and well, what do you do 
What do you do to make the God of the Bible safe? Well, you stop talking about sin. You stop talking about hell. You stop talking about punishment. You stop talking about righteousness. You stop talking about holiness because all those things offend God and, and garner God's wrath. Well, we don't want to talk about God's wrath. We want God to be a teddy bear, not a polar bear. We, we, want, we want God to be, to be soft and squishy and, and, and friendly. And, and you poke him in the stomach and he goes, I mean, that, that's, that's what we're after with this God that, that, you know, that we create for ourselves. And I, I hate to tell folks that that God can't save you because because you're not worshiping. the. If you're in one of those churches that refuses to talk about sin or refuses to talk about hell and refuses to call people to repentance, if you're in one of those churches, you're not worshiping the God yep. of the Bible. You, you created this dude for yourself who looks like you and talks like you and wears your clothes. and that. You've created that guy and you've named him Jesus. And, and I've met Seth. I used to work with a guy named Jesus. He didn't call it, he didn't say it like Jesus. He called it, he, he, he said, Jesus, you know, but it's the same thing. Um, and he's a great guy. I loved him to pieces, but he can't save me from sin. He, he can't, he can't save me from hell. And, and, and you've done nothing more by removing the offense of the gospel. You've done nothing more than fabricate a guy named Jesus who you claim is going to make God happy with you. And, and that is, there is no saving faith in that. No, that's a very good point. I mean, and that's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Pastor Brian, you know, it, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, we want to kind of water down the rough edges. We want to smooth it down because, you know, we don't want to preach all this fundamentalist stuff because, gosh, our offering will go down, our attendance will go down, my book sales and YouTube videos will, all of it will go down. And, people will you know they're not going to want to tune in and listen um and so it's kind of a pragmatic approach where you say well i'm just going to to kind of give people what they want and i think one of your one of your guys that you love and i love him too matt chandler i believe he coined this idea of uh moralistic therapeutic deism which is pretty much what a lot of quote-unquote christian folks in america believe they they believe that God is there to help them be moral people. Um, he's kind of a life coach. It's going to help them be a better version of themselves and, and make them feel better about themselves and do, you know, more good. Uh, therapeutic, God is there just to kind of comfort them and help them maybe through dark times in their life when they need him. He's always there just to help them, but he's not there to be their Lord and tell them necessarily what to do. He's just there to kind of encourage them and be a cheerleader and deism you know, God isn't ultimately in control of everything. Now, he's made everything, but he doesn't sovereignly control and guide everything. He can only kind of do what we allow him or give him permission to do. That is the false God that runs much of, I would say, Western Europe and North American theology and churches today. Um, and so when people think about God, they're not worshiping the true Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of Holy Scripture they're worshiping a God they've made in their image. And one of the best ways to describe it is moralistic, therapeutic deism. Um, and that's what most people want to hear. They're comfortable with that type of God. That's what fills up the pews. That's what puts butts in the seat. And so they justify their methods by uh, the result. And they say, well, I have more people than you. I have more viewership than you. Um, but evangelism, this being exercising and, and following God's command to evangelize, your success is not based on how many people come to your church. It's not based on how many people listen to a podcast or anything. God looks at us not based on numbers or dollar signs, but he bases our success on faithfulness. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what we have to keep in mind when we're doing evangelism is just be faithful to lovingly and clearly share the good news of Jesus and make sure that you explain the bad news as well as the good news because, Pastor Brian, one more thing, and I want to throw it back to you as we wrap this up, but, you know, if I, if I went into the doctor, God forbid, well, matter of fact, I'm going to give you a more personal example, like my dad who was involved in a bad hunting accident, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor looks at his x-ray and his MRI of his back. 
and that doctor says, well, Mr. Davis, um, I'm fairly confident to tell you that you're going to be paralyzed from your waist down. You're never going to walk again. Now, that's some very heart-wrenching words, and if you've never had that said to you or a family member, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. And that may make you mad. I know it made me mad. Um, it's made me frustrated. It made me sad. Uh, there was a lot of tears that were shed. But at the end of the day, when all the emotions calm down and you really think about what was said and what was done at that hospital, you have to say, I'm glad the doctor told my dad the truth and that he was honest with him and he spoke the truth in love and in frankness, but in, in kindness. And so now that my dad knows what the prognosis is and he knows that he may not ever be able to walk again, but he can still have a good quality of life if he does his rehab and if he puts in the work that the doctor is prescribing for him, he can get better um, and still have a quality of life. Um, and I would much rather have a doctor tell me the truth or tell my dad the truth than have a doctor that would walk in there and say, well, Mr. Tim, I don't want to upset you. I don't want you to get mad at me. You're going to be a-okay. Give it a couple weeks and you'll be back running sprints for too long. And then time passes and my dad realizes he's been deceived and he's been lied to, and it, it hurts him more on the back end than it would have on the front end. And I say all that to say this. If we really love Jesus and we love people, I would much rather tell someone the truth of God today and they be mad at me today, and God use his powerful word and message to transform their hearts and lives and save them through his gospel I would much rather that happen and them be mad at me today than them wind up in hell tomorrow because I didn't share the truth of the gospel with them. Right, right. Well, and I heard, um, and I think this is, again, <laughs> Ray Comfort, if you do listen to this, we need now, a this check. is about we four times we've mentioned you tonight. Help us, so Ray. You need to Yeah, uh, but I, it might have been Ray that said this. You know, there is no, uh, there is no scientific evidence or uh, explanation for darkness. You, you, there is a scientific explanation and definition of light, but but darkness is just the absence of light. It, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a, uh, you know, a me, there's no measurable, uh, you know, setting for, for, um, way there is no measurable setting for coldness. There's just the absence of heat. You can measure heat but you can't measure coldness. You just measure the absence of heat. Um, and, and I mentioned that because it, it kind of works like that with the good news, like to evangelize is to, is to tell the good news of Jesus. Now, you know, it would be a perfectly fair question for a person who's never heard of Jesus to say, well, why do you call it good? Well, that's, that's what makes the bad news so critical. Um, the bad news is that you are a sinner destined for hell. You, you chose it of your own uh, free will, if, if I can use that term. Uh, your will is not free. It is actually bent towards sin. There is imputed sin. Um, the, you know, Romans 5, the sin of Adam that's present in every human being alive. But then there's also a, a sin that you chose for yourself, a desired sin that, that, that means that you like sin. You sin because you want to, and you sin because you're a sinner. Um, and, and the bad news of that is that, that that fails to meet the perfect standard of God. Uh, it is offensive to him. It, it's rebellious uh, to the purpose for which he made us. Uh, and the just punishment for it is an eternity spent in hell. Um, that is bad news. That is horrible news for every person on the planet because every one of us are sinful, Romans 3, 23. Um, the good news, why, why, why there is a good news is because, you know, God so loved us 
that he sent his son that the believing ones would not perish but have everlasting life that that uh that that what the the way that we know what love is is that while we were yet sinners christ died for us um that there is there is a uh there is a good news bad news you know is there but the good news is that is that god has has effectively saved his people um well, i love rc pro and i know Jesus, you love rc that, that all who call upon the name man, of the lord I, he, will be I, he saved. A sermon, I believe it was, um and he in his whole sermon he was addressing you know christians say well are you saved or hey i got saved and he asked the the rhetorical question well well what what did jesus what is he saving us from because in some churches you never hear well what is jesus delivering you from and if you look up the word save in the greek i believe it's pronounced sorzo and it what it basically means and there is looks like a fox running through my front yard there um that's interesting but uh sorzo there in the greek literally means to be rescued to be saved to be delivered from danger and you know if you if you listen to joel Osteen, and i hate i know some people get mad when i call out these people and i'm not doing it to be disrespectful i'm doing it because i'm frustrated with them because they're not doing what the bible says um they're not preaching the whole story of god um, I've listened to Andy Stanley preach more than one sermon and I never heard Jesus Christ in the whole message. But if, if you're in Andy Stanley's church or Joel Osteen or a lot of these, you know, I hate to say it, quote unquote, famous preachers in America, Joseph Prince, uh, South Korea, wherever he's at Tibet or wherever he's over there in Southeast Asia, but you're never going to hear danger. You're never going to hear, Hey, you're in danger. Um, well, why am I in danger? Well, you've broken God's law. No, I haven't. I'm a good person. Well, let's look at the law and let's see if, if you have broken it. And then, oh, gosh, I have broken it. Well, guess what? That's a serious felony in the eyes of God. And there's a severe punishment that comes with that. Um, you need to be rescued. But I've got great news for you. God loves you so much that he has made a way for you to be saved and to be made right with him and have life and joy eternal with him. And that's through the work of his son, the God man, Jesus Christ. So only the sick go to a physician. Um, and if we don't first lovingly show people that they are sick and dying because of their sin, then they're never really going to see their need to come to, to the good, the great physician, Jesus Christ and be healed. Right. Well, it, uh, if if you don't if if you don't hear the the bad news, then it's difficult to hear the good news is good. And so, uh, you know, I don't. I, my dad, I, I've I've wrestled for years with this principle because my dad is a drug addict. Um, he's recovering. I'm thankful for that. He's doing well right now. He's in he's in a rehab facility. He's 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 doing pretty good. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's trying and I'm thankful that he's trying. Um, but there's, uh, you know, what's, what's you often hear said about a drug addict is they have to reach rock bottom. And, uh, and unless they're, unless they're allowed to feel the repercussions of their choices, decisions, then it's going to be difficult, you know, for them to ever come out of it. Well, um, salvation from sin, you, you can't wait till you feel these repercussions. Um, but, but you can get a look at them. You, you can go to scripture. You can, you can dig through God's word and you can see, Hey, this is what is, this is what is stored up for those who continue to live in sin and, and, and open rebellion against the holy and righteous God. Um, and so, you know, we share the good what? news. We evangelize because we don't want people to feel it. Uh, there's uh, Spurgeon, Sam, him earlier, Charles Spurgeon used to, used to mourn over the, over the no, lost people not. that he and knew. I, you know, and I, was gonna I, I just don't think there's enough mourning over too, lost people you know, in our churches anymore. Jesus's uh, sermons and his parables throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. Um, and, uh, and, and if we, you know, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul says, 
um, due to the, the, the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, because of our fear of God, we go and we persuade men. Um, you know, our God is a consuming fire. And when his son Jesus was on the cross and, and mm-hmm. all of God's people's sins were placed upon Jesus, um, God the Father, you know, poured out his wrath on Christ in such a, um, a very graphic and a very vivid, a very visceral way. And if you don't think God's going to punish your sin, if you think God's just going to let you into heaven um, because you're a quote-unquote nice guy, then all you have to do is look at the cross because the cross shows us that God is so pure and holy, he is not going to allow sin or evil into his kingdom. And by punishing Jesus on the cross, it shows that God takes sin very, very seriously. And if you don't, you're doing it you're doing it at your own detriment, your own, your own damnation. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would so work in you and bring a conviction and a godly fear and a godly sorrow, which would bring about true repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of life and direction, and that you would turn and recognize that adultery is wrong, fornication is wrong, practicing homosexuality is wrong, blaspheming is wrong, idolatry is wrong lying and stealing and coveting and being envious and having hatred and murder and, and violence towards people, uh, unjust violence, that is evil, that is wrong, and that God is so good, he is going to punish all the cowardly, all the, all the unbelievers, all those who have sinned. He is going to not let, he's not going to let the guilty go unpunished. But yet when you look at the cross, you don't just see the holiness of God, but you see the mercy and the compassion and the grace of God in that, He provided a perfect, pure, and spotless sacrifice for you. And that if you will trust in Jesus Christ, God the Father can let you go free and adopt you into his family because Jesus paid it all for you. Now receive that, trust in him, surrender your life to him, and out of love, live for him, obey his word and his commandments, spend time in prayer, spend time in church and fellowship with other believers, spend time telling other people about Jesus and helping one another grow closer to him through evangelism and discipleship. And that should be something we want to do if we really understand how great God is and how he has really rescued us from a horrific eternity in hell and has given us the hope of eternal life with him on the new earth in a new resurrected perfect body uh, under the new heavens where righteousness will dwell and we will be with him for all the ages to come. We should tell people about him. <laughs> well, and, and, and prayerfully, uh, you know, I, one of my, one of my prayers, uh, for myself, my, you know, personal prayer, not, not, not as a pastor, but just as a Christian. And I, and I use that, I use that distinction often that, that, uh, you know, the Great Commission was given to Christians, not pastors. I, I have the I have the Great Commission as a part of my, you know, part of the commands from God to me. But it's not because I'm a pastor; it's because I'm a Christian. Um, well, in the same way, part of my just personal prayer life is God help me to love people more, um, because I know to the degree that my love for people grows, my my desire to to evangelize the lost will grow. Um, and so I would just, I'd want to encourage, uh, I'd want to encourage you guys to, 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 to love people and love them well, uh, and, and to love them well, uh, we can't allow them to go to the grave, not knowing the gospel, not, not having heard the gospel. Amen. And I think Spurgeon had another great quote about, Hey, if people are going to wind up in hell, um, let them have to jump over our bodies to get there. Um, I mean, that, that's such a powerful quote from Spurgeon. And, you know, so many churches, you know, one thing we're not going right, to get to do that. in heaven is we're not going to get to do evangelism in heaven because by then it's all been said and done. It's over. The, the chance for salvation has, the time of grace has expired. And so it's so important that we make sure that while we have time, that we uh, think about someone that may not be saved. And maybe 
take baby steps. Give them a gospel track. Invite them to church. Um, pray for God to open their heart. Um, and just show love to them. Do good to them. Go to thewayofthemaster.com. Check out some of their videos on YouTube. I'm sorry about all this traffic. My neighborhood's picked up tonight. But, um, you know, take those baby steps and let God use you. Because I'm telling you, Pastor Brian, I have done things so stupid. Well, they're not stupid, but I, I look back on it and say, how did I do that? I have open air preached at the Northside Walmart here in Dothan to the point where they ran me off from the parking lot because I had got a little crowd and I was giving out gospel tracts and I was sharing the gospel with just people coming in and out of Walmart. Now I'm not saying go do that, but I am saying, think about people that you know, that may not know the Lord, um, build relationships with them, give them a gospel tract, invite them to church and make it one of your ambitions to say, I want to be able to know the word of God so well, not perfectly, but I want to be able to know the gospel the clear core teachings of the scriptures. I want to be able to know them well enough that I can share with people what I believe, why I believe it, and I can do it in a loving, clear, respectful, and biblical way. And that is something that's going to take discipline. It's going to take time. It's going to take study. It's going to take practice, just like any other exercise you do. But the more that we do that, um, the more we'll be able to be a more effective tool in the hands of Jesus Christ. And, that, you know, I, I think, Brian, the more that we the more that every Christian takes that responsibility out of love, um, I think that is going to be one of the big keys to revival is when everybody. Um, and I think you preached on this on Wednesday night. I know we need to wrap this up. But man, this has been so good. But, you know, if we would go out there and live for Jesus and tell other people about Jesus to maybe the point where the liquor stores had to shut down. Um, the pornography industry went bankrupt, um, where there, nobody wanted to buy drugs or narcotics. There would be no more crime in our cities. Nobody wanted to lie, steal, or kill, or rape, or murder someone else. All racism disappeared. Um, all hatred and bigotry disappeared. Um, wouldn't that just be a wonderful thing, all for the glory of Jesus? And, uh, and, and, and that, in order for that revolution to happen, God has put us here to be his light and to go show his love and share his truth. Um, and if we do that, there will be people that God will use to save and he'll transform their lives forever because of our faithfulness to uh, do our part that he's put us in. So, so, uh, so guys, we appreciate y'all listening. We had a great discussion tonight. Thank y'all for listening uh, to our podcast. Check out Fairview Baptist Church in Sampson, Alabama. Check out their Facebook page, their website. Check out Vintage Christian Truth Facebook page, YouTube channel, Lighthouse Community Church in Abbeville. And thank you all for sharing this podcast and for taking time to listen. I pray we've been a blessing to you. And uh, we're on Instagram. Oh, awesome. And I say, we're on Instagram now. We're, we, just, we just got younger, like. You know, I don't know how we, I don't know how we could do, I don't think we could do Snapchat, but we could do, but we could do Instagram. So we awesome. just, well, I'm glad, we got I'm a little younger, a little hipper, a little cooler when we went Instagram. So, uh, so check us out on Bryce, Instagram as well. He had to kind of disciple us, evangelize us on the good news of uh, Instagram because I'm, I'm kind of like maybe you listening. I don't know nothing about it, but it is another great platform. And y'all, we're trying everything we can to uh to get the truth of god out there to you so if there's any way you can you can share um and you can help us spread the 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 real truth of, of jesus christ um we just we just love your prayers and your support and just check out all these avenues that we have put out there um to hopefully be a blessing to you and bring you closer to the lord so thank you guys for listening we hope y'all have a, a blessed night and we pray all of you will stay safe and healthy